Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 151, baby. Let's roll. And I got a guy who might like 151. Maybe we'll crack some middle, middle show or something like that. Man, if I were Travis Kelsey, I'd be popping some 151, brother. I've got some thoughts on Mr. Travis Kelsey and what he's up to. I've been actually holding him back. I don't know. Uh, we'll get there and more. But I think I want to bring out my guest and, and start, the, uh, start the conversation. Um, y'all know he's the king of spice. The Northern California king, Mr. Bo McBrayer, is in the house with me. Bo, what is going on, my brother? The phone calls coming from inside the house. <laughs> We're both in Northern California, which is great. Shout out NorCal. I'd get that right out of the way since that's what I'm known for doing is calling out all the legends that were born like in all walks of life, sports, media, music, everything, entertainment. And he's just talking about Tom Brady in that one. I'm just talking about Tom film. Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Joe Mixon. Like the, the list goes on and on. NorCal football stars, NorCal music, musical stars, NorCal everything. With This is the birthplace of goats. Wow. There you go. I mean, I'm not so sure I'm going to get on that train. I mean, being from Boston, I think we're going to start a fist fight now, but it's all right. I'll let him get away with it because Why he's our guest. Yada. <laughs> but here he is, man, Bo McBrayer. Bo, I'm, I'm excited to have you on. You know, I have a lot of different types of guests on. You know, obviously you do content, and uh, I did a really bad job of telling everybody where to find you. But uh, you, after <laughs> tell, tell, them, tell them where you're at because I didn't even give them your – your, uh, your your Twitter handle, but tell the people where they can find your awesome work real quick before I wax poetic about your ass. Okay, so I am a mainstay on Fantasy Football Twitter slash X slash uh, Elon's Playground. It's Bo underscore Mick Big Time. 
And it's for me, it's dynasty. It's Debbie. It's redraft. It's DFS. It's everything football all the time. Tape over analytics, unless it confirms my priors. Let's go. Find me there. Find me at fantasypros.com. I'm a featured writer. I write the fantasy football storylines every week. I write the fantasy football spicy hot takes every week. And, of course, I co-write the earliest, greatest, best waiver wire column on the Internet with Derek Brown and Pat Fitzmaurice. By the, the way, love, love those two guys. Derek Brown, Derek Brown loves you, first of all. Derek Brown loves you. Number two, I love Pat Fitzmaurice. I mean – just a pros pro at this. And, yeah. you know, Bo yeah. gave himself a better shout out than I ever could because he's better at this than I am. But in all seriousness, Bo is a, a man of all, you know, jack of all trades, uh, not a master of none. Cause I'm in a few dynasty leagues with myself and Bo, you're a, you're an avid dynasty player. And that's one of the things I, I like to have is a, a lot of different types of, you know, guests. And while you do do content, do do uh, content, you <laughs> also, um, but by the way, by the way, I said something to my my kid. My kid, my son is seven. My daughter's nine. And I said, uh, you know, um, I think they're asking if something's addicting. And I said, well, it could be a habitual. And he was like, yo, you just said the B word. <laughs> and I was like, habitual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. I was like, this fucking kid. So he, he is my son. But um, you know, I have a lot of different types of players. But you are a. A, a dynasty player you're in like 30 plus leagues and so mm-hmm. one of the things that we can talk about is like you know and, and i can't always get there with some of my guests some of my guests are really good at best ball or they're they're in a couple dynasty leagues or they're writers and they're not really fantasy player whatever the case might be but every now and again i get a real dynasty guy who's used to the grind and that's you brother yeah and it's it is a grind and it's it, you have to have a system in place for keeping track of everything and you have to yep. have you have to have honesty with yourself as what kind of player am I like if I'm going to have th- with that many leagues that I'm involved in, I'm going to have my champion contenders. I'm going to have my, uh, my rebuilds, my complete teardowns. I'm going to have my productive struggles. If you want to call them that I, I run the gamut. I have all of these teams that are my, my children. It's like, yeah. I'm a, I'm a foster parent of, like some of them are downright orphans that I picked up a couple of years ago. And I'm trying to just create something out of nothing or out of very little. And it does take a lot of time, but it also is rewarding because when you do turn those bad teams around into something good, you feel good about it. And that's why you play dynasty is because you're always nurturing. You're always building. You're always trying to, Every single transaction should make your team better, or at least yeah. you feel like it does. Yeah. And that's that's the thing versus like winning a trade versus losing a trade. I don't think there's even such a thing because of the time element that everything can flip on its head within a day or within a week or within a season. Totally. So I'm all for the free market. I'm all for no vetoes, no trade totally. deadlines. I'm all for just letting it letting it be laissez faire. Let 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 the good players play well and let the bad players figure it out. Yeah. And it's like, you know, with Dynasty, I always tell people like, you know, have a plan. 
you know, no, you, you kind of mentioned it. I got some teams that are good, got some teams that are bad, got some teams that are this, that, you know, orphans and the whole thing. And all the different teams run the gamut. And I think, you know, when you're in more than one league, certainly when you're in 20, 30 or more leagues, you know, once you get to that point, I'd say even probably 10 plus you kind of get there is that you start to realize because you can't have the same team 10 times. Right. So you start to realize that, like, I, I guess what happens when you have one is you're so myopic and you can only think of yourself as like your players are so much better than everybody else's. You, and you, you have mis- only child syndrome. Yes. And you <laughs> misappropriate the value of certain players because they're mm. on your team and your team's special, but that's not true. And so once you own, you know, or have shares of so many different players across different formats and you're like, actually this motherfucker is scoring some points for me over here. You know, maybe he's not such a bad asset. And you know, if I trade for him here, his values down, but blah, 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 you know, and you start to see it a little bit more clearly. You stop to have, you start, stop having easy for me to say, stop having take lock on certain players because it's like mm-hmm. every player has a value and it's whether or not you think that value is better suited transfer to another team or on your team. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's also about reading your opponents and getting to know them. Uh, it's not about your team. It's about your. It's about the teams in your league. Yep. And that's that's a part that's missed by so many people is that you can get a sense for the style of of the players around you and who they're going to be willing to move, who they're willing to who they're going to be willing to move if something breaks one way or the other. Totally. And then the absolute off limits players. So maybe it's an off limits player that you really really want, but you're never going to get them. And that's, that's what happens a lot is you have to game theory everything. And I'm yes. going to go to your handle there is that it's like, I'm a big proponent for game theory. Why, why yes. do you think I love dynasty so much? Yes. Because it's a game within a game within a game. And you're not just playing fantasy football. You're playing mind games. You are trying to mind fuck everybody else <laughs> in that league yes. into bending at your will. And I wrote an article three years ago called the 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 Ch- dynasty trade warfare, and the the main line was make your offer, make your final offer, and hold out your hand and shut the fuck up until they shake it. Right. And because and every deal is a good deal because you want to do deals in the future. It's like yes. everything's positive, everything is building up, building relationships, and then. It as it turns out, maybe you did win that trade after the fact, but you don't say that you won the trade, even if right. it's lopsided one way or the other. You you have that picture in your mind. Like I've made plenty of trades, even just this off season, that everybody in the league was like, "What the fuck are you doing, bro? Like this that's a stupid trade." And I was like, "Just watch, just watch." Right. Yeah, just wait. And you know the other My, thing yeah. that, that's pretty interesting. You mentioned game theory. I'm glad we're here because now you get me thinking. And one yeah. of the things that you want to. <laughs> One of the things that you want to do too is like understand the texture of your league. We will get to all that and more right after this. Like not all leagues are identical. So if you have, even if it's a 12 team, 10, 10, team, uh, 10 player starter, you know, exact same configuration, there could be two juggernauts, like two absolutely loaded teams or, and you have whatever team you have, or you could have the exact same team in another league that, everybody's kind of equal and even. And so in one league, that team shouldn't be going for it because really you're going to run up against one of these two juggernauts. In the other team, in the other league, you're like, man, if I just make a couple small moves around the edges and improve here or there, I actually have a shot at this. So understanding all these things, that's where game theory comes in. That's why when people do say, you know, which side do you like this or that? 
you know, let me just tell you, me and Chalk are always texting each other, you know, back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I never send them a naked trade and say, what do you think, bro? I always yeah, give seriously. them – the quick Context. cliff notes version, if not the, the the picture of the league, where I'm at, is it a you know everything that is pertinent for him to understand where my thinking is. I don't always spell out my thinking. I just give him the data points that create the thinking. So you know whatever uh, you know how many teams in the league, whatever the case might be, as much quick information as I can because it matters. Otherwise, I wouldn't need to. You just send the fucking trade and be like, oh, I like the, you know, I like the Michael Thomas side. It's like, no, no, no. I, I need to know more information, and yeah. and that's where that's why Dynasty is the thinking man's game, the the strategist, the person who's really thinking, you know, multiple steps ahead. What te- when does this team actually compete? This year, next year, a few years? Like, if it's a few years, then it's a, like you say, a total teardown. What are you even doing with any players? You know, you don't need players. Yeah. You need no, the fucking. I want- Get I them all picks. off my team. Yeah, I want picks, and I and I want to keep the youngest of the young, regardless if yeah. they're good yet. And then trade them again for younger. I mean, I just need yeah. to wait because there's no chance, right? So all those things come into play, and and that's what we touch upon on this show. But we're not going to do it for two hours. So I'm going to start <laughs> no. at the very top yeah. of the NFL pyramid with the number one quarterback in the NFL. And I'm just going to ask: Is Jordan Love for real? You know, at first I didn't think so. And so far what I've seen from him this season is encouraging. It it gives me some, like I'm stepping back and I'm saying, well, I didn't like him as a prospect out of Utah State. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think he was a first-round talent. I considered that to be one of the worst first-round picks value and need-wise in the history of the league. Yeah, right. uh, the Green Bay Packers didn't need a quarterback. They definitely didn't need a first-round quarterback, and they definitely didn't need to trade up to get that first-round quarterback. That you think being Justin said, Jefferson may have been a better pick in hindsight? Yes, yeah, slightly. And it might have made their quarterback, their Hall of Fame NorCal quarterback, uh, a lot happier. Potentially. I don't know. I'm just spitballing yeah, here, just, just throwing things this from the weird, hip. weird theory that we'd have that the Jefferson might have been good on the Packers with Aaron Rodgers. You never know. You never know. Probably, yeah. probably would have washed out. Yeah. I mean, who who knows? Maybe Aaron Rodgers could have won back to back MVPs with him. Maybe. Never know. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Mystery. It's yeah, crazy. Anyway. But Jordan Love is better than I thought he was. Yeah. Is he for real? I don't know yet. But I'm more encouraged now than I was last year. And it came down to me for watching him throw touchdowns, and that's one thing that has been bailing out his numbers. Like if you break down his numbers and you go minute detail, he's still pretty bad. Right. But you know how hard it is to throw touchdown passes in the NFL. It's fucking hard. Like look at Derek Carr. He hasn't been able to do it since 2016 when he was an MVP candidate. Yeah. Like we've, we've gone six years of Derek Carr, not able to throw touchdown passes. And we're, we're knocking this guy in his first full season as a starter for having bad ancillary numbers but a good QBR because he's been throwing the rock in the end zone to God knows who Jaden right. Reed's good, but he's really young. And then he hasn't had Watson. Who's an exciting player and Romeo Dobbs. I don't wait. I love Dobbs. I didn't yeah. love him that much. He's playing out of his damn mind and nobody yeah. knows how he's doing it. But Jordan yeah. love is, is doing a lot with very little right now. And that impresses me. Yeah. I'll give you my quick take, by the way, before you all at me, which you won't because you're all lazy as fuck sitting on a stupid-ass <laughs> couch. 
Veg him out. But listen, but listen, before you get all uppity, I know that Justin Jefferson was already off the board, but they traded up. All right, fine. T. Higgins, is that better? Is that better, all you weirdos out there who say that, you know, Justin well, actually, Jefferson was available? Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't available. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I understand. I know that. I understand. Why don't um, you just say they should have gotten Jalen Rager? He was in yeah. the same barrier. Yeah, that might have been a better pick. Um, no, uh, listen, but Jordan Love, a couple things. I'll give you my quick take. The The idea that, you know, he's all better now, a little <laughs> bit dubious of that. Number one, I tweeted today, you may have seen it, that he is uh, 33rd in the NFL out of 34 qualifying <laughs> passers in completion percentage at 53%. Yeah. Not good. No. Not good. That's a bad number. Now, people say the drops, he throws downfield. Sure, 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 sure. Bad number. He's right Still there next bad. to Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's the only one worse than him. Of course he is. But just a bad number. He also has really uh, kind of some unsustainable touchdown upside right now. His touchdown mm-hmm. percentage is quite high. I don't think that holds. He's had a few danger throws that have not been picked. Only one pick. I just think some of this stuff might regress. He'll play some tougher competition, although the schedule stays pretty easy. So he could hold. Now, I, I do think he's probably not as good as we think he is right now and probably not as bad as you and I thought he was as a prospect. And I've even not. admitted that because I feel like like on my pod, I know you you listen sometimes. I've said over the course of the summer, I said, look, He's a different human being today than he was as a prospect when he was drafted in the first in four round. years. Just, yeah, he better dude. damn be <laughs> exactly right. You know, like you were different at twenty five than you were at twenty one too, as we all were. Except all you twenty one year old assholes listening right now, go screw yourself. You, you will be different. <laughs> believe me, you will be. Um, my, my, apparently, my listeners are all like they're basically twenty eight year old dudes in a pair of sweatpants at home listening on the couch. That's what I've done the analytics. That's who's listening. So you know how most people listen to the podcast at one and a half speed, you know, just get through it. (laughs) That's right. I think what you should do is listen to this one, this exact episode, episode 151. Shout out Bacardi in Chico State. Uh, But uh, you should listen to this one in half speed. So it sounds like we're talking like this. Yes. That's what you should do with this episode. Draw it out to four and a half hours for all we care. Uh, (laughs) That's. That's how you're going to enjoy this the best. Pop a gummy like uh, like what's his bucket, Mad <laughs> yeah. Dog Russo, and yes. enjoy this one. Enjoy the Colorado Buffaloes getting absolutely shellacked by my Oregon Ducks. Enjoy yeah. it. At I, half speed. I thought you were in NorCal. What's this Oregon Ducks bullshit? What about Chico State? Didn't they win this weekend? Chico State football has been undefeated since 1995 because that's <laughs> when the team go. disbanded. <laughs> I was going to say, there you go. Well said. Well There's said. Actually, I, I had a t-shirt in college that said that Chico State football undefeated since 95. That's great. Love that. Um, <laughs> love that. I do know for a fact, literally no one tuned in today to listen to us talk about Chico State. I know it for a fact. Actually, yeah. maybe not. Um, speaking, of, uh, speaking of party time, Travis fucking Kelsey, I will tell you. I don't know if this is a hot take, but like, I like Taylor Swift. Like, uh-huh. yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, do people, I don't know. Like, I'm not, you guys know I'm old. I'm not tuned in. I don't know shit. Like, is she loved, hated, loathed? Like, do people like her? Like just in general, especially like dudes. Cause obviously there's no girls listening to this fucking show, but like, yeah, um, I'd be surprised. Uh, but it's like 1% or whatever. But listen, my question is, is like, do people like, like her to like, cause I think yeah. she's kind of cool as fuck actually. She's super chill. 
Uh, right? And I went to one of her very, very early concerts. I went to see Brad Paisley when I was 19. So that would, no, I was 21. So that makes Taylor Swift 19. And yeah. Taylor Swift had already written 200 songs by the time she played that show. And she was already a huge country star at age 19. Right. Like we're talking multi-platinum already. And yeah. she's held on to that for fucking 15 years now. Yeah. 15 yes. years of chart topping excellence. Yes. And no, you don't. That's the thing with music is nobody's going to love every type of music and nobody's going to hate every type of music. Like you're going to have ultra Swifty fans. Like they're the most insane group of people out there right now. Sure. Great. Good for But them. she's also going to have a lot of haters that just don't like her music. And it's like, sure. Hate well, the haters, game. Can, haters can fuck off, you know, like straight right. haters. But, but like, is there a reason to hate like, her? I don't know. Like, I, I can't see no, her. Like, I no. actually see her She's as not like a bad um, person. Like, right? there's there's lots she of bad people out there who are famous. Man. She's not one of them. She's not one of them. She seems a re- like a really – so because I feel this way, this is my take. Because I feel this way, like, like she's honestly like a nice person. Now, I do understand that when you become a billionaire – Life is a little fucking different, you know. It's like <laughs> uh, you mean, a little that. bit, a little, a little bit. Yeah. Just a skosh. Yeah. I wouldn't so know. I, I wouldn't either. know. <laughs> I can kind of imagine how that would be. Like you literally can't set foot outside your own apartment or oh, before. Yeah. Like you know, it's just got to be totally fucking weird. Okay, I get that. Oh, so yeah. I understand. Like you know, the whole thing is going to be totally different. But can't we just for a moment imagine and hope that they have a true, honest, like. They like each other relationship. Can't that just be the fucking way it is? And wouldn't that be no. better, especially from football fans to support Travis to be like, let's fucking get one here. Let's just fucking show the world that football dude is a good dude and can fucking hang yeah. on to the fucking. I think we already established that now that now that New Heights is getting is getting more and more popular, like even before yes. the Taylor Swift thing, that that podcast was taken off because. I mean, you got you got the big swagoo, Jason Kelsey, on there. People oh, yeah, forget man. that his his Super Bowl celebration parade, like his speech, was legendary. That's Jason yes. Kelsey. These guys and then are Travis Kelsey has been the bad boy. Yes. And that's one thing I that I don't like about this relationship is that Travis is settling. Honestly, Taylor oh. Swift is great, but Taylor Swift has got to be just boring. Like I don't see her yeah. as an exciting person it's to true. date. Yeah, maybe like, not. Her that life is true. absolutely insane, but I think the person is pretty vanilla, laid back, yes. and chill, which he's not. I get that the dynamic is probably pretty good, yeah. but for him, I, I think I'd rather see him with somebody less famous that can let him shine because yeah. there's no, no way fair. in hell he shines in this in this deal. That's a good point. Like he's definitely in the shadow in some ways, but he's actually oh, handled. He's in really a fucking, fucking eclipse way. right now. Yeah, totally good. <laughs> good point. Speaking of um, Kelsey and Swift, which Kelsey and Swift do you prefer, Travis and Taylor or Jason and DeAndre? Jason and DeAndre have my heart. So like, fucking good right now. Am I right? Oh yeah. Yeah, like I, I love DeAndre Swift all the way back to Georgia. Jason Kelsey, one of the best centers to ever live. I'm a trench guy myself. I played D tackle, and I hated centers, but I loved competing with them. Yes, and it like even though he would whip my ass, that would be one like a bucket list. Like just line up in the three point stance one on one with Jason Kelsey. I'm the same size as this dude. Like he's going to maul me, but I would be grinning ear to ear that I got yes. to mash with that dude because 
imagine how cool that would be. So yes. yeah, give me give me Jason Kelsey and DeAndre Swift over Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Correct answer, by the way. Well done, sir. Well done. I mean, right <sighs> now Philly literally. I had to get that off my chest. It, I was I was holding yeah. on to that all day, and yes. I needed to let it go. You saw it on the show sheet. And I, you're need, like, I, I needed to uh, what the, what they what does Taylor say? Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Yes. So yeah, I mean, right now Philadelphia with DeAndre Swift, I guess is. Here's a question that's kind of interesting. Where is DeAndre Swift now in terms of dynasty rankings? Like now it's two games, right? So the, the, oh, that's more than one, <laughs> right? It's two games now. We've seen two games. Is this Call me a real? sucker. Call me a sucker, but I love DeAndre Swift and I me want too. all the best for him. It's Look, baffling backs, that any coaching staff talent. wouldn't. Yeah. Running like, backs are half the, talent, but the other half is, can you get on the field? He's on the field. We we love to see number zero on the field. Like we didn't we didn't get to see thirty two in Aloha Blue on the field very often. Whether it was right. from injury or coaching decisions, where you're a Jamal Williams, who's most mid quarterback score or touchdown score to ever play. And there's nothing special about Jamal other than his personality. That's he's a special person, but as a player, he's just mid. And DeAndre Swift has no mid in his repertoire at all everything deandre swift does is spectacular and we finally get to see it for two games in a row he's been healthy he's on the field and he's by far their best running back like i like kenny gainwell i love deandre swift there's a difference there it feels a little reactionary i mean i know that the dynasty rankings are reactionary especially in Mm -hmm. season but like the only reason that we ever dropped deandre swift in our our hearts and minds and rankings was never because we thought he was a bad player. Like that was never the reason. Oh no, that was, if that, never was, the if that was the reason, then you're wrong. I mean, there's, yes. there's a lot of ways to be wrong in this sport. That's the easy way is when you take a talented player and you discount their talent. That's just right. dumb. That's dumb no. gameplay. That's right. And that's not the reason that we ever dropped him. But the reason we dropped him was, well, he doesn't play football. He doesn't go fucking field. And like, then he was traded for a fifth and sixth round pick swap. And you go, Hey, wait a minute now, you know, is this even a value to the Philadelphia Eagles? And then game one happens, he hardly gets on the field. And so you thought, Hey, wait a minute, maybe this is starting to be like kind of over and he's only going to be a sort of a spell, you know, uh, space back and here and there and a few touches a game. And that's fucking death. You know, he's not even a, like if someone gets hurt, he doesn't even fill in full time. Well, and then someone got hurt, and he filled in full time, and now the guy comes back and he's fucking full time. So I would ask, like, you know, like DeAndre Swift or Aaron Jones in Dynasty, who you got? Well, Swift is like three, four years younger, right? And so virtually like the same player, virtually yeah. the same player. Uh, that's that's kind of the comp that people forget about. It's like Aaron Jones is great, but yeah. he's twenty eight years old or twenty seven years old, and DeAndre Swift is twenty four. And so let's let's look at this from the trees. Like we're standing here looking at these two players that are very, very similar and in very similar situations. Like even though AJ Dillon doesn't do anything ever, he gets a lot of looks. And Aaron Jones does not. Aaron Jones thankfully gets all the leverage plays though. So Swift over Jones, I'm with you. What about DeAndre Swift versus Austin Eckler? Oh, Swift easily. Eckler is almost 30. What about DeAndre Swift versus Javante Williams? Ooh, 
that's close. I think Javante. Yeah, right. So he, you know, I think Javante is probably right around top ten. You know, I think somewhere in there. You know, you gotta you gotta look at like <clears throat> the Rashad White, Ramondre Stevenson. What about what about DeAndre Swift versus Josh Jacobs right now? They're pretty Swift. similar in age, but Swift. Yeah, Swift. I don't like what I see from from Jacobs as long. You know what I mean? So he's somewhere in the top ten or fifteen dynasty running backs I a, now. I think which, I'm gonna have eleven or twelve. So that's, that's about right. Yeah, he like, wasn't I moved him there. Up. I, he yeah. was down to fifteen, I think. And oh, I, I think moved, I move. Yeah, I don't. I don't move Swift down very far. Good like, for all you. last year, all last year when he was healthy and and active, I was telling everybody that you should play yeah. him in DFS because DraftKings hates DeAndre Swift just as much as Dan Campbell did because yeah. they never priced him over six K last year, no matter what he did, and he had some huge games, and he was never more than six thousand bucks on DraftKings, and so if he was active and and on the field, I was like. You must like that was the rule. The rule of the show is if Swift is active on the slate and under six K, you have to lock him in. Period. And right. we want a lot of fucking money that way. Yes, T- Taylor Swift. So, no, is I didn't drop. I didn't. Wait, yeah, I didn't drop DeAndre Swift past RB fifteen in Dynasty, and I think he's back up to eleven for me now. There you go. I, I think that's right. God bless DeAndre Swift. Okay, love it. You've listened to the show maybe once or twice. Have you ever more, heard of, more than that? Have you ever heard me mention a fellow by the name of Tank Dell? You ever hear that name on the show before? Yeah, yeah. And and I I I want to say that you you are a bigger Nathaniel Dell fan than Tank Dell, yeah. like because that's how I feel. Is that I love Nathaniel <laughs> Dell because nobody knew who the fuck it was and they were drafting him in the fifth, late fourth and early fifth round of dynasty rookie drafts. Yeah. And then sleeper decides to fuck it all up for us. Smart folk that already knew who it was. And they changed his name on the app back to tank from Nathaniel. And boop, he goes from late fourth to early third in a day. Like, Oh yeah. We've heard of tank Dell. Yeah. He's that quick twitchy guy from Houston. Didn't even have to buy a, didn't he have to hire a realtor went from Houston to Houston. Yes. And yes. CJ Stroud loves that guy. You know you why he loves any, that guy? You think he's any good? Yeah. Why yeah. wouldn't he? I mean, like, why, would, why wouldn't CJ Stroud like a guy who gets open? Period. Fucking open, dude. The kid is always open by like a lot, Can't, too. Like, just like, like I, have you heard me talk about a little guy named Devontae Smith? Like I offered my services to cook for him to put a little bit of BMI on him before the combine <laughs> just to help a brother out. Yes. And I've been talking, I've been writing about the slim reaper since Alabama when he was as a freshman, that guy that yes, caught the game winning national championship throw from Tua Tonga Veloa in the national as a fucking freshman. And yep. we always forget that that's the same guy that ended up as a senior, the most productive wide receiver ever in college and only wide receiver to ever win the Heisman trophy. And he comes into the league and uh, actually he's only 170 pounds. So too skinny to play in the league. You know, and you yeah. shouldn't even think about drafting him in your rookie draft. He's so overrated. And yes. what, what do we find out that you can't jam, you can't cover what you can't touch. Yes. And that's the corollary between Devonte Smith and tank Dell. Is there too quick to jam? Well, I know you're a film guy, and I appreciate that. Yes. I, I will say where when it comes to Tank Dell, like so I am an analytics person first, 
but I am not an analytics person only, especially not at all. I'm not at all only an analytics person because I don't think that that's pretty smart. I, I think, you know, because I'm analytics is because I think it's easier to make sense of bigger things with analytics. But once I get down to the nitty gritty, I want to actually see what the hell's going on. And so for me, you know, Tank Dell was the type of player I've told, I told the story a million times, but it's like when I first discovered him, it was through, you know, just doing some analytical, you know, research. I'd never seen him play once in my life. I never watched a Houston game. Like, what the fuck? I'm, I just don't, I didn't see it. And so then I'm like, oh, this guy, Tank fucking Dell, tell me more. Like, how big is yeah. he? You know, and I, I mean, he's a you're touchdown. Gonna, you're never going to believe this. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. The so guy I, named Tank, you're never going to believe how big this guy isn't. <laughs> exactly. So I put it on and he's just ripping fools everywhere. And I'm like, holy oh, yeah. shit. This is exciting. And like, so long story short is actually the tape study of Tank Dell was what made me go, no, no, this isn't gimmicky. This isn't bullshit. This is, this guy's open. Now, of course, this isn't Rashi Rice at SMU. That's the difference is they put up very big numbers, both of them in similar situations, except Rashi Rice wasn't covered in his system. Like he still covered himself most of the time. If you look at the reception perception, uh, it's like Rashi Rice had a humongous season with a with a route chart in all red. Right. And then you have Tank Dell, who had a lot of green on his chart because he actually understands. He has a repertoire of getting open moves for every route. It's not just running the route; it's running it his way for that type of coverage, and that's an intelligence. You'll, you'll, you'll hear me say this and write about this is I like drafting smart players. Like if I find out a player, regardless of position is intelligent for their, for their position, that moves me up a lot, especially with quarterbacks, but wide receivers too, because you get guys, you get guys that are really talented, but they don't have, they're missing something like Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry is a perfect example. It's like, look what he did at Arizona State. got all excited. You watched the tape and got excited. And then you figured out that he was going to have to learn an NFL offense from scratch. That was going to be a huge learning curve, going from flashcards to actually doing hand signals, have a, a new language being taught to you, and he never got enough support. And... For me, that's that's kind of the difference for me is I want to see a guy who doesn't have to overcome the mental side of the game. Yeah. And yeah. Tank I mean, Dell, because Tank Dell's got that in spades. Yeah. Wide receiver is one of those positions too. It's a technique position. It's mm-hmm. not a physical gifts position. I mean, it's certainly better to have physical gifts than to yeah. not, of course. You know, you'd rather be Julio Jones than not. But the point of the matter is, is that there's a lot of guys that were pretty close to Julio physically, but weren't anywhere close to him you know, technically. And so he had it both, you know? And so I think tank has that man. He's a technical wide Mm -hmm. receiver with gifts. You know, he's got that amazing short area quickness. And that might've been the reason that CJ Stroud wanted him so badly. That was another data point that Mm -hmm. while it be small data point, a data point, nonetheless, that Stroud was like banging the table for this dude. I mean, we've heard that before with Joe Williams and, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, the whole banging the table thing. But, you know, this was a little bit different. It's a wide receiver quarterback connection. So I felt a little bit different about it. Um, but speaking of that connection, CJ Stroud, um, you know, hard to not be too excited about him right now. But what are, what are, you, how do you rank those three? And I'm going to ask it two different ways. I'm going to ask it, especially because you're a film guy and an NFL guy, 
you know, cause I'm an NFL guy too, is like for, for football, for actual football, you're an organization. How do you rank Stroud, Bryce Young, and Anthony Richardson? And just follow that up with how you rank them in, you know, dynasty. I actually rank them how they were drafted, honestly, and in, in football sense. Like, I think the league got that right. I think the Panthers maxed out their potential with Bryce Young. Yeah, a little ankle injury is going to set him back value-wise, but this is a buy window because we're talking about a guy who coaches didn't just like. They called him a football savant and a passing savant and a person whose intelligence rivals any quarterback already in the league. And he has the accuracy. He has the head on his shoulders to know what coverages he can exploit and which ones he's going to bypass. What we're seeing from Bryce Young is a complete lack of talent around him uh, in the weaponry. And his offensive line is a better run-blocking unit than a pass-blocking unit. So I think we're seeing the early floor for Bryce Young with a gigantic ceiling above him that a lot of people aren't respecting. Like this guy eviscerated the SEC two years in a row, could not be slowed down or even couldn't stop him. They couldn't even slow him down a little bit. There was no defense that he faced, including Georgia, one of the two best defensive years ever. And they, he, he lit them up. Like he lit them up and they respected him as a player. And I, and really his last year at Alabama, his receiving talent wasn't even good. It, it comes down to he's an elevator. And C.J. Stroud is also an elevator, just to a little bit lesser extent. I think C.J. Stroud is a very poised player. He's a heady. Like, the rumors of his intelligence, like, or as far as that, that whatever story about Ask the test he bullshit. took. Yeah. yeah, I don't care about that. Because what you see on film is his intelligence on the field, his game yeah. intelligence. His football yes. smarts are up there. And... Another thing that's another thing that he doesn't have the athleticism that Richardson has. Nobody does. Like he's <laughs> the best, most athletic quarterback ever. Yes. But we discount Anthony Richardson's football intelligence way too much, too. Totally. And totally. watching him on tape manipulate coverage while he's in the pocket breaking down a defense, manipulating safety movement to go downfield and get a window in the zone. He did that all last year. Were the throws necessarily accurate all the time? No, but this guy has fewer reps under his belt than any of the other three guys. And that's that for me, the reps will come for him. He's getting all the chances. Hopefully he gets back from his concussion nice and clean, but he's in the perfect system for him. Is that how you have them? Is that how you have them? Uh, Young, Stroud, Richardson, and in Dynasty as well. No, it's actually flipped uh, yeah. in Dynasty because I primarily focus on acquiring as many mobile quarterbacks as I can. Sure. Because in Dynasty, I'm still only planning out two to three years, so I'm not necessarily worried about the cumulative effect of that style that you see later in their career where they have to kind of transform their game by then I've already moved on from them because sure. I'm looking for the newest and the youngest and the most mobile to continue that short-term quarterback turnover that I like to have in my leagues where it's just like in single quarterback redraft leagues quarterback doesn't really matter to me because right. I can get so much interchangeability between all of them that they don't carry replacement value like the other positions do 
So totally. I, I like I like to punt quarterback and super flex. If I if I don't get one of the top guys that I want, I'm going to punt as far as I can and just accumulate young, quick, <laughs> fast running quarterbacks. So I had a lot of fields from early on that I'm just kind of sitting and waiting for because the Bears are a dumpster fire. Yeah. Well, I will say that, you know, Chalk and I, you know, kind of <clears throat> had to come to consensus, uh, you know, in terms of what we would have done as an NFL franchise, you know, in terms of trying to, you know, look at all the analytics, watch the tape, listen to our analytics guy, listen to our tape, tape guys, which includes Tommy Moe. But Tommy was a little bit, um, you know, biased because, of course, he went to modern day where Bryce Young yeah. went. So, of course, uh-huh. he was going to want Bryce. So we had to, we had to exclude and if there was the a Samo, if there was a Samoan quarterback coming out, he'd be like, Oh yeah. Automatic. Number one. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> what if it was a Samoan and a modern day grad? I mean, he would, his head would explode. So can't do that. There's, there's um, quite a few it, of those actually. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there are. That's right. But so, but when we really came down to it, it was, we were CJ Stroud quarterback one and pre-draft for the NFL. And then of course, therefore kind of, you know, uh, then, you know, it was harder between Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson. I mean, Anthony Richardson's been the wild card from from day one because oh, yeah. not a lot of tape. I mean, there's enough tape to see what he's doing, but not a lot of analytics, I guess. Not a lot of numbers, not a lot of anything. You know, just one yeah. year and just, you know. Small bad. sample size. It, it, yeah. And that's that's the thing that you can get from tape and actually mean something. Yeah. And the analytics get more and more skewed and varied the less information you have to plug in. But yeah. you can tell who a player is from just a couple of games. Honestly, yeah, you I can mean, you can get their makeup pretty di- dialed in, and you can see the good, the bad, and the ugly over the course of two or three games. That well, that we did can hear make a all lot the difference. Of, we did hear a lot of things about Anthony Richardson, like you know, that were just not true, and they were just based off the fact that he was an athletic quarterback. Like, yes. oh, he's he he scrambles out of the pocket. It's like, no, he doesn't. He actually no. stays in the pocket. He's a really good pocket player and you know doesn't take sacks and he's just he had one of the lowest sack rates ever and that wasn't that was pressure have you seen the guy it's got to be really hard to sack him but i mean justin fields you would say the same and he's got one of the worst sack rates both in college and in the nfl so i mean that's a skill that really is a skill anthony richardson has anyway so we kind of had it uh cj stroud anthony richardson well you know anthony richardson bryce young really really close but Subsequently, it's it's Anthony Richardson, Stroud, then Young for us, and that's how it is in in Dynasty for us, especially now with C.J. Stroud sort of showing it. I just thought C.J. Stroud was clearly the best thrower of the football, and and for me over Bryce Young, and actually the size split the difference. You know, I think if you know the size isn't the end of the world for me, but it's not a positive for Bryce Young. It's not a good thing. The fact yeah. that he's super small is not good. Um, you know, it's no, totally different. It can't be the, good. It has to be neutral at best. At best, exactly. Different at the wide receiver position. At the quarterback position, we still see that bigger, you know, quarterbacks are yeah. just, you know, it's just easier to deliver the ball over the line, of course, obviously. I mean, and I'm not one- just tape. So, I, and, and the, the first rule in analytics is you have to have a weighted model. Like, yes. what is more important get, carries more weight in your That's analytics right. and your breakdown. If you're trying to separate talent, you have to score it out. You have to, you have to use, almost tape analytics to figure out what kind of attributes these players have. Like if you're just plugging in numbers, you have to have a control. What's going to be the baseline for these numbers I'm plugging in. And then whatever is most important, you have to weight it heavier. And you can't do that without tape. Honestly, you really can't. 
And at some point that people will say, well, size doesn't really matter. I'll say, well, at what point does it? I mean, if he was four foot two, would that be okay? Like, of course it matters. <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? In other words, you have to be you, really you, fucking good. <laughs> it's a sliding scale at five ten. He's got to be really fucking good to overcome that. You're yes. not going to have a five ten shit show in the league. That's right. So, I mean, that's my point is like it matters on degrees and at some point it matters more than others. It's like, dude, you can't have a five yeah. foot four fucking NFL quarterback. It's not going to happen. Um, hey, Kyler Murray of, resents that. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> uh, both Bryce Young and Kyler Murray. So not five ten. It's unbelievable. Um, what they, no, wasn't Bryce Young six foot, they said or something. Get out. Oh, yeah, Alabama said that. Yeah. Yeah. Six foot. OK, great. Good for him. Um, <laughs> you know, you mentioned Anthony Richardson. I mentioned Justin Fields. I would ask you, especially from a tape perspective, I do watch the quarterback school, JT O'Sullivan, and yeah. you know, I like his breakdowns because it really helps me sort of see what's going on. And, you know, it, when I watch Justin, I don't think, oh wow, he's really good. I think, wow, there's some there's some things missing here, there's some problems, but mm-hmm. then I see glaring huge schematic issues as well, and oh, yeah, coaching and it, issues and scheme issues and, and for holy me, that, shit. That's the scary part because yeah. I've always believed in his talent. Like his ability to grow is far out, far exceeding their actual ability to grow him as a, as a player, yeah. and yeah. that's that's the sad part. Is I think if you had let's let's play role reversal. If you had Richardson in the Getzy off offense, you don't have any hope for that kid whatsoever. Right. Exactly. And if you and if you have Justin Fields with Shane Steichen, we're talking about QB one for a decade. That's yeah. what you're thinking about because think about that's the mold he likes to have. He has the Justin Herbert, who's the eighth best athlete at quarterback position of all time. Then you have Jalen Hurts, who's one of the strongest people in the league at a quarterback position, and he's also pretty fast. And then you have, let, let's say, instead of Anthony Richardson as his next project, you have this beautiful, already mostly sculpted hunk of clay named Justin Fields, who is the most prolific passer in in his high school class over Trevor Lawrence at a higher recruiting grade. This is this is something where like where did we go wrong here as a league where our best player at high school level and college level comes into the league and now we're talking about him as a bust. Right. Like yeah. that's when you look at the team and go, what the fuck did you guys do? Yes. Like you fucked this up for all of us because we deserved awesome Justin Fields. And now we get shitty scared and running around Justin Fields because you don't have a plan. That's right. your fault. Yes. That's not Justin Fields' fault. Yeah. Like Justin is struggling it doesn't, it, it and doesn't you can't say hook, Justin's though. playing well yeah. and right. you can't say Justin's having much fun, but you also can't say that it's all his fault at all. No. It is not all his fault. That is a fact. But yeah, it is we, also we, – we, we seem to get a lot of Justin Fields' blame on yeah. Twitter because yeah. the, the Bears fans can't can't come to grips that uh, you shouldn't have three receivers on the same side of the field running the same exact route within two yards of one another. Is that bad? I'm not, it's not I, good. Well, what if they're open? Then you got two guys open. Do you ever think of it that way? If two are open and there's one defender in between them, they're neither one is open because that defender in a zone is looking at Justin Fields' eyes. Absolutely and so you can go from crazy. open to pick six in a split second because way, you ran two, everybody too close together. 
Bo, Bo, this this thing, which I can't even believe you answered me as if I was asking seriously, by the way, that you get two demerits for that answer, by the way, because I just was so <laughs> kidding. And you were like, no, actually, it's bad. You know, I'm like, what the fuck? It's Listen, bad. Of course it's bad. <laughs> but they've actually done this on multiple occasions, multiple occasions. Like, like six the, times know, a game I saw. Yeah, but like literally like they had Komet and DJ Moore both run side by side and like hook yeah. the same exact spot. So they were literally like looking at each other like, hey, buddy, what are you doing here? I'm, I'm just you – know, it's like <laughs> – I'm how, hoping for a target here. <laughs> how can – so I've, I've said – I've said this. That can't be the play. That can't be the play. No. That can't be the play. That, somebody fucked up. Somebody fucked up. There you go. So – was it one of the guys running the route? Possibly. Was yeah. it Justin Fields calling the play incorrectly? Possibly, Possible. less likely. Yeah. Yeah. Or was it actually the fucking play call? And if it's the play call, and it seems to be the play call because we've it seen does. it multiple times over three weeks of football, and then they should be fired. Are, they're scripting the first 15 plays that they're going to run. But they're still keeping it to within the 60 or so plays on the list for that week's game plan. It's not rocket science. It does take time to understand the lingo and to understand your assignments. But the Bears seem to be calling out these plays. That, that, I mean, I can't think that Luke Getze's offense is so complicated that they're putting more than 50 plays in that, in that game plan. Yeah. And so you have like three, four base formations that they're going to call out for that game plan. And then they're going to have splinter plays off of those, off of those formations that they practice for three straight days. And so that tells me that is the play design. That is the yeah. play call. And the coach that designed it actually fucking thinks it's going to work. That's the scary part. Needs to be fired that, to there's no way you look at that and go, Oh yeah, that could totally work. Yeah. Like, no, there's it no can't way. work. It can't work. Yeah. And and the other thing is, even if you take those wins, all right, listen, maybe those were just kind of whoopsie daisies and okay, fine. Which is, by the way, you, you can't do that. I mean, just the fact that I would, I would literally, if I'm the owner, I'd be like, oh, hey, can you uh, tell me what the <laughs> fuck happened right here? Just, just explain it to me. It's fine. Right? No, no yeah. problem. I just want to know who uh, fucked it up and just, you know, kind of just give yeah. me the thought process. And if he was yeah. like, well, Wait. we thought if it was the coach, I'd be like, okay can I have all of the playbooks and the keys to the fucking place? Cause you're out of here. I don't give a fuck immediately yeah. fired on the spot. I mean, you can't do that. So it's like crazy like, that this is the just guy in the group happen. project that didn't do anything. Like <laughs> I, would you, would you, could you picture Luke Getzey as an offensive coordinator? If he didn't do whippets with Aaron Rodgers right. for a couple of years, <laughs> there you go. It's usually <laughs> always that. Um, yeah. If so you then, do whippets, you're going to get a job later. Listen, on top of with that, Aaron Rodgers, yeah. on top of that, Justin Fields rushed for like almost 1,200 yards last year, like yeah. eight yards per carry. No, let's let's get rid of that part. <laughs> cut it out. No, no, we're not going to just cut it back. We're cutting it out. out. It does, it's not there anymore. Don't do it. We need what? Justin to stay oh, in the pocket fuck. to do what he does best. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's like actually what? fucking. Oh, it really bothers me because like. It, this is the me. NFL is a multi-billion-dollar thing. I can't watch thing. Bears tape anymore. It just depresses me. And I'm just some asshole in your mom's basement talking about this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you just you just drank the last Capri Sun and you moved on to a <laughs> wine cabinet. 
<laughs> she's sleeping. I'll go see her in a little bit. But listen, I'm serious, man. Like, you know, I was talking to my brother earlier today and like we were just like dumbfounded. And, you know, it's like, we, ah, you know, I'm a fucking idiot and I could easily design a better offense. And that is not something I think about all other NFL yeah. teams. I don't think, oh, yeah, you know. No, and you I scoff never think at that. people who say that about other coaches. Of course, because it's fucking stupid. And, and it yeah. normally is 100% yeah. stupid. But in this one particular case, I'm 100% sure I could do it. Like, Because it wouldn't even be a complicated offense. Like, I yeah. believe Joe Judge could even do it. Sorry, that's, too soon? That's bad. <laughs> too, soon. <laughs> too soon? Anyway. Yeah, if, if you I, said Judge or over. Matt Patricia, then that was going to be spicy. But yeah. it's, a, it's a good one because you're like, well, I mean, if you like like put them up against each other, Luke Getze, Nathaniel Hackett, yes. or or uh, Matt Patricia. Give Who me would you all rather? of the Nathaniel Hackett I can handle, especially as an offensive coordinator. I mean, but oh, it's so bad. So anyway – the, the whole idea is that Justin Fields may be being ruined as we speak and will never be good ever again because of just he's completely ruined. That's also possible. But I just – I'm dying to see him like – like just give him to Arthur Smith already. Please, like just do uh, it. Just give him, right? Where it's like maybe, run, run, like perfect. Like running, yeah. attack. Like and that's what they should be doing. throws. Yeah. Like, just give me like, some man, on-target throws so Arthur Smith can stop stuff. running the wing tee every week. Yes. But 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 uh, anyway, I'm gonna get off of this. We're gonna move on, okay? I don't know. I'm already I need upset. A, I need Damn a drink. Jax. <laughs> I mean, I'm not opening. You you mentioned that I'm I'm not uh, uh, gonna open some, but I'll just pour the. All right. Okay. Now, 2023 draft class, right? 2023 draft class. The tight ends. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I want you to rank the top four off the board. The Mayor, Kincaid, Laporte, and Musgrave right now. I want you to tell me how you have them in Dynasty. If you would be so brave to tell me how you had them either pre-draft or post-draft, but pre-season, go right ahead and share that. So pre-draft, I had it Mayor, Kincaid, Laporta. Then after the combine and the and the end of the season – like I was, I moved Laporta up over Kincaid. Then Kincaid gets drafted by the Bills, and I moved him above Mayer. And then it's like same tier with Laporta and Kincaid. And then Mayer's right there, kind of in limbo because he doesn't have quite the starting role that the other two have. Like he's not getting the snap share that the other two are getting yet. But I think Michael Mayer's a better football player than the other two. Like Kincaid's a better receiver, a little better route runner, a little quicker. Laporta's just a monster after the catch, and yeah. he runs he runs decent routes. We run that we saw that corner post that he ran uh, last week for the touchdown. Uh, he he's got some juice. Yeah, Laporta excites me because he has the starting gig. Like before yeah. they drafted him, you I mean some people know who Brock Wright is. But most, the vast majority of (laughs) really solid football fans couldn't name who the other tight ends on the Lions were when they drafted Sam Laporta. Right. So they were drafting him to slot right in as a starter, and he's balled out for his first three games. First, first tight end rookie in history to have five catches in each of his first three games. That's 
really encouraging because with this yeah. guy's skill set, he looks a lot like Kittle. He went to the same school as Kittle. And we love George Kittle for all the same reasons. Sam Laporta went a lot earlier in the draft than George Kittle did. That should tell you all you need to know about who Sam Laporta is as a player and why the Lions really got him early. Like they did not want him going to other teams. Yeah. So that's that's for me. He moves up to number one just by his sheer talent, like what he's showcased so far. I am I am currently sitting on zero shares of Michael Mayer. I thought he was look pre-draft. I thought they were all pretty, and I you did not even mention. Maybe my tight end one, not now, but you know Laporte is clearly the tight end one, clearly of this class, but uh, especially in value anyway. But Musgrave, uh, you know, I I thought Luke Musgrave was that good, and and the the draft capital agreed with me at least to some degree. And well, you can go ahead, keep doing it, and then you'll you know one of these days you're gonna turn around and be like fucking jacks, fucking asshole. He was right. You can't like Musgrave that much if you don't like Jordan Love that much. Like that that's contrary. Honestly, Jax, that's a short. That's a that's a misfire on your part there because Musgrave isn't good enough to elevate Jordan Love, and Jordan Love isn't good enough to elevate Luke Musgrave. So, how are they both going to succeed in the same exact environment? That's what I want to know. I can answer that. So, I don't think that Jordan Love is. I think Jordan Love is more like on the Jameis Winston, Sam Darnold, uh, you know, spectrum than he is on like you know, the Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen spectrum. I think he's bad in a way that's like, he can be prolific. He's inaccurate, but he does push the ball downfield and he does have some prolific moments. Like if you've been watching, one of the things that's encouraging about him is like, he'll make some plays where like, fuck, that was a pretty decent throw right there. He will go six plays and you'll be disgusted to be watching this brand of football. And then he will drop the most absolute dime Yes, uh, in a throw that very few can make, and he will just out of nowhere make that play, yes. and you're like, "Wait a minute!" Uh, and this okay, this is why this you kind of start getting why. Yeah, you start. This get, is why get, this is like, why Jordan Love was drafted in your head. In the first yeah, round. exactly. This is why he was drafted in the first round. Where all these things that you sort of see and say, "Wow, this kid's really." good if only we can coach these other things out of him and you know the 53 percent completion percentage is me wondering if those things are erased you know he hasn't made no, any big they're mistakes not so erased but that's what i'm saying they're, so, they're but, cloudy right now because he's making yes. a lot more big plays than he is making turnover plays but but that's how i see you can get there just because Jameis had some issues um you know doesn't mean he wasn't good for fantasy and i think it's that QB we might four. see QB four, and then he gets traded to be the backup for New Orleans. Bingo. And then, I mean, uh, the Bucks didn't do bad. They got Tom Brady the next year and won yeah, the damn Super understand. Bowl. This is this but, is the kind of thing. But Jameis goes from starter QB four in fantasy to yes. riding the bench after a trade. Yep. That, and then he wins the job, and then gets benched because he got hurt. Yep. And Andy yep. Dalton was ridden. For no other reason than they couldn't win a damn game, and they were they give a better pick to the Eagles last year. That was that was the stupidest thing the Saints could have done was tank with Andy Dalton. They lost a shit ton of games under him. He looked okay, but that's Andy Dalton. He's okay at everything. Jameis Winston is amazing at some things, and then uh, the other things it's really bad. And so you get this this paradox of a quarterback. But we love paradoxes. 
in fantasy because so now you they have upside. Jameis now has you, more upside you, yeah. than the starter, Derek Carr. So I'm actually interested in watching the Saints play because Derek Carr isn't out there. And it's Jameis Winston who, God willing, is going to score a touchdown for somebody. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He's going to throw five touchdowns per game, just to which team we have no idea. We have no uh, It's going to be a, a flip. The ratio is going to be all out of whack. <laughs> yeah, it could be 2 3, 3 2, 4 1, 1 4. We have no fucking clue. Um, <laughs> that's right. But he's throwing five. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So that's how Musgrave gets there for me, and I, I don't, I don't really Oof. like to have long uh, takes for look because either Jordan Love will get there or he won't be there for long. How's that? So one or the other yeah. is going to happen, and so I'm, I'm not going to shelve a great player who I think Musgrave is because of that. I think Musgrave is a better tight end than Michael Mayer, I, and I think I, I have no interest in Michael Mayer. I think he is literally warm milk. He's just a, he's okay. I mean, he would he makes love you go to, to sleep. Be, yeah. He would love to be Pat Fryermuth. Exactly. Yeah. Just a couple. Oh, of yeah, warm Pat, this is he very wants, nice. he wants something, somebody to chant his name. Like Meh, like a bunch of sheep stands. Like you chant <laughs> Muth and it sounds cool. Like Muth. Yeah. Like, he was like, oh, like <laughs> that's actually pretty funny. I, I actually like that. That's, that's all you can think about. If he wants to be the mooth so bad because they're so similar, oh, like, shit. then just, you have to get the crowd on your side, you know? Oh, that's good. That's good. And then you're right about Kincaid. He's sort of a slot wide receiver masquerading as a tight end. But guess what? That's how they're using him. Dawson Knox still playing over 50% of the snaps. Kincaid yep. hasn't good quite deep. gotten there yet, man. He, he is 80 not- to 70 to 50. That's yeah. not a good trend. No, it's and it's it, he's not getting – the seam rips that we thought he would. So, so far, he's Kincaid, not that athletic guys. No, like, exactly. Yeah. He looked athletic against Utah state and, yep. uh, Oregon defense, like Oregon's defense is fast and they locked him up. And yep. that was before his, his senior year. Like he's an old player. He's older than Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Like this is a, this is a guy who didn't break out until he was 21 years old. And then, then he really took off at 22 years old. Now we're looking yeah. at a player who is propped up by how much hype is around him and his role is really enticing on paper. And then you get him out there against NFL defenses that are all fast and all athletic and all strong, way stronger than USC's defense. Give me a his one yeah. game against USC was what got him drafted. Yeah, and it's true. That the was next a time game, the though. next time they played that same defense, they locked him up. They locked him up in the Pac-12 championship. He did, didn't did do absolutely anything. Yeah. That, what's his name? Rising? Cam Rising or whatever? Fucking yeah, noodles. he's a baller. He's, yeah, he's fucking cool. Um, so Sam Laporta or Kyle Pitts in Dynasty, who you got? Kyle Pitts, easy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I wish yeah. I had Kyle Pitts to trade you for Sam Laporta plus. That would be unbelievable. Because yeah, I, I am would, easily I Sam instant. Laporta over Kyle Pitts. Yeah. I would do it instant because guess what? The same principle you just laid out for Jordan Love, either he's good or he's not going to be around for long. Applies to Arthur, yeah, sure. That applies to Arthur Smith right now. Mm. What if they win? Then I think they win with Kyle Pitts later on because the league is transitioning right now where th- they found this nice little pocket where most defenses, their base is nickel. You have a, f- mm. a fifth a fifth DB out there instead of a fifth, a third, fourth linebacker. That's that's becoming the all the all the norm. Like your two high shell coverage, 
is to prevent big plays in the passing game. Well, these, the Falcons are built like the rambling wreck of Georgia tech, man. They're, they're out there built. The line is fast. The backs are powerful. The receivers are tall and lanky and tough to cover in space. And they go into these teams that are undersized with nickel base packages and their quick passing games. And the Falcons can beat those teams because they just run it all over them and they don't stop running. But I think what you're going to find is that it's going to balance out where a lot of teams recognize what Detroit Lions just did to that team, where they just threw 11 men in the box and said, okay, Desmond Ritter, here you go, buddy. We're not going to cover Kyle Pitts. You can target him nine times for five catches, 43 yards. That's, That's not that great. But Kyle Pitts is also running all the deep routes for the Falcons. He's running more routes than any of us on the Falcons. It's the big games that Ritter is going to be forced to go through. If he has those great matchups, it's going to be Kyle Pitts. And yeah, that's, it looks that's like he's got that's, a big hot shit in his pants when he's running, though, right now. It doesn't yeah, look he, like he doesn't he's, look 100%. No, he does not and look he's good. He's still and, roasting fools out there. Like this, this guy is unguardable, even at 85% health. And they're still they're they're actually looking at him like you can see Arthur Smith is trying to scheme ways to get him the ball. It's Desmond Ritter, either too late or just not on target. Sure, I, I don't, I don't. I'm look. I'm not going to stand here and he's twenty two years old, twenty two years s- old, and the greatest yeah. prospect at his position ever. And we're selling him. I'm looking at a decade. Even if he goes the next this season and next season, just mired behind this stupid offense that doesn't cater to his gifts, and he get to his age twenty five season to get that's from twenty five to age thirty five. That's your Travis Kelsey arc, and he's already got a thousand yard season under his belt. That's what I'm excited. That's why he's the TE one until further notice, because I'm not going to let these little short term. Oh my God, he's not getting any work. They're not throwing the ball. That doesn't detract me from what he has in potential for such a long time in the future. Well, Lord knows I respect your take, but I totally disagree. And I (laughs) I know you the short term I knew we were going to get to this junction at some point in the show. Yes. Because I'm the biggest, I'm the biggest Kyle Pitts truth are out there and you're one of the biggest detractors so let's clash well let let me just tell you as you know if you listen to the show what have i said kyle pitts is arguably the greatest and most prolific tight end prospect of all time but Mm -hmm. that doesn't matter what matters is how players are used and what happens in the nfl whether they're able to stay on the field in all downs and distances can they block how are they utilized how many targets can they earn these are all the things i want to know and right now it doesn't appear that he is uh earning targets at a rate that we need to and and even if he does in that offense, it's a problem. I think Kyle Pitts is fine. And I would I have him at my tight end five in Dynasty. But if you think I'm going to trade you TJ Hawkinson and just get Kyle Pitts back, you've lost your mind. Kelsey, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit if he's 38 years old. As long as he's putting up numbers like this, he's my tight end one because he's the skeleton yeah. key to win your league. And so I'd trade any tight end for Travis Kelsey just so I can have a shot at winning my league again if I have a shot at winning my league. If right. I don't have a shot at winning my league, of course, You're sell Travis Kelsey younger. immediately. Yeah. You know, so don't, but, don't mess around yeah. with Kelsey and your roster if you're not going to win anything. No, uh, there's no use for him. 
what what are you going to get at, in the next, like, if, let's say he's great this year and next year. And then you start to see the Jason Witten arc where he's still great for fantasy because he's going to score touchdowns. He's mm-hmm. going to get, he's going to get targeted short yardage over and over and over again. Cause he's still going to be savvy enough to get open. Yes. And he's that's, a, he, you know, that's his, work, say- that's his arc is even right now. He's, he might not be tied in one in three years, but he's gonna be tied in six. He's gonna be tied right. in seven for like four more years until he just croaks. It was just like I said about Puka Nakua. I had said mm-hmm. until you don't see it, it's gonna happen again. You know, yeah. like it's gonna happen until it doesn't happen. You know what I mean? And speaking of Puka, let me ask you a question. If we were to have the 2023 rookie draft right now, uh-huh. like hold it right now, Puka Nakua is the wide receiver. What in the 2023 class? I have him at five. If okay. if I if I did it over again, right now you're drafting yeah. right now number one. Uh, shoot, put me on the spot here. Yes, right on the fucking spot. <laughs> I'm actually gonna pull it up real quick. All right, take your time. Take your time. I will tell you that um, I don't want to misspeak on my own rankings. That would be bad. exactly right. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> but I mean, is it JSN or is it someone else? No, it's JSN for sure. I think so too. I would. Continue to have JSN as my wide receiver one. People Although don't to me, it's gotten closer. What type of player this guy is? Right. Like they don't realize because he he missed a whole season with an injury. That was the last memory we have of him. But if we just go back one more year from that injury lost season, and you have Jackson Smith and Jigba as the the alpha at the Ohio State University over. Who we view as an was there anybody else on that team? Yeah, wide receiver one by the name of Chris Olave in dynasty circles. Another wide receiver in dynasty number one, Garrett Wilson. Yes, and and you had neither of those two as the alpha. They were very, very, very good uh, ancillary satellites in that passing passing tree. But the alpha was JSN unquestionably like he was the alpha dog and there was a clear break there. JSN is Stefan Diggs, but with more hype earlier on. So what about wide receiver two? So wide receiver two has been back and forth for me. Okay. Right now, pull it up right now. Don't make a mistake here. Now I don't want to don't make a mistake. I don't want. I don't want to see you hurt here. I don't want to see. <laughs> I don't want to see pain, tears, crying. I don't want it. The people do. It's, yeah, it's it's Zay Flowers. That's fair. It's fair. Okay, you didn't but make a Jordan mistake, Addison's I mean, right there. I, I don't want okay. to separate the two because two, I've been okay. I've been flip flopped back and forth on those two players all all season. It's since since the draft. I've I couldn't make up my mind. So same tier, like JSN yeah. tier by himself. And then those two right there next to each other, Addison, Zay Flowers, A and B, however, which order you want. Totally fair. What mistake are you going to put at number four over Puka Nakua? <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm good at this. Yeah, I get it. So I had Puka at seven pre-everything. But not now. Yeah. No, he, he definitely moved up. Is he four? Put him at four. Just do the right thing and put him right there. I don't know, man. It's let's see. You really, you really want the corpse of Quentin Johnson over Puka? That's, Maybe I'm that's wrong. the one I'm easy. It's easier to do, but. Oh, I mean, 
maybe it's Marvin Mims. If you said yeah. Mims, I'd be like, okay. But I don't know, man. I think you you would rather have Quentin Johnson or Marvin Mims in Dynasty right now. Probably Mims. Like right? I, Me I've, too. I've never been high on Johnston because he's he doesn't have the whole package. Like he's 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 a great college player, right. but he has to go a long way to become a great pro. Like there's a there's a leap there that he has to make that we haven't seen yet. Which he, yes. I think he ha- he has it in his range of outcomes. It's certainly possible, but yeah. he's not a finished product. And at least we get him in L.A. where that is very much more likely to happen. That's so, that's a good that's a good sign for Quinton. So I will put Quinton over Puka, okay. but it's not by much. Like it's yeah, that's, I'm it's paying fair. I'm paying respect to Puka, my most rostered player ever in all in the whole league in my all my leagues combined my most rostered player period is puka nakua i've been drafting him everywhere and you can thank Derek brown from fantasy pros because i was i had him at wide receiver seven and he had him at wide receiver four like before the season started and then i started going back and rehashing it like okay he loves this guy and I like this guy. And so why, what is, what is he saying that is taking him to this level? And so once I, once I went back, what I found was that this was a very planned out sequence of events for the Rams. Like they were going to take Puka Nakua regardless. That was, that was going to be the guy that they weren't going to miss on because McVay wants his Robert Woods back. Mm Mm-hmm. McVeigh said, who is the wide receiver who is most like Robert Woods? And he found this guy from BYU who is an absolute clone of him. Lunch pail guy, Heinz Ward blend where you're, you got the gritty blocker, nasty player, great route runner in short space, short and intermediate routes. He's getting open constantly because he's just a dog. Yes. And that's Bobby trees who moved on. That's business. I mean, he'd move on. He, Kind of the team just kind of let him go because of age and everything else. Then you you go a season where you don't have him and everything hits the fan like last year. Yeah, they won the yeah. Super Bowl, but the year after when everybody got hurt, they didn't have their Rob, their Robert Woods character to save them. Like Cooper yeah. Cup goes down, you got Robert Woods still. You're still pretty good. You you if Cup goes down and you don't have a Bobby Trees, that's it. It's that's curtains, and we saw that last year. This year, Cooper Cup goes down. They got their Bobby Trees back. Puka Nakua yes, is a standalone option with immense value because of his being the only guy in that offense who can get open. And then if if you say Van Jefferson can get open, can he catch the damn ball? Yeah. That's another question. We, we've seen what Van Jefferson is. He's, and Ben he's Skoranek not- looks like my uncle out there. Yeah. And nephew, so nephew, nephew, who nephew, the hell – Nephew. Who the hell uh, listen, is going to compete for Puka Nakua, with Puka Nakua for targets? You got to give Derek Brown a lot of credit for calling out and, and Thor together at Fantasy Pros. We're yeah. absolutely all over, um, you know, Puka. You know, I, I get a little bit of credit. I don't want that much because I wasn't that all in on him. <laughs> I just really liked him, and I, yeah. I was, I was, I my love affair for him grew as the as the off season went along. I actually acquired much of my Puka after. You know, just along the way, I was like, oh, wait, this guy might be fucking good. Let me sort of in the dark of the night 
uh, secure a few Puka <laughs> shares here and there. And then I also drafted him in all the redraft leagues that were deep enough yep. and or picked him up off of waivers in all the redraft leagues. So like I just was able to get his ass on my rosters when I needed him. And um, the guy I was drafting a ton of is Marvin Mims. I have like one Quinton share in all my leagues. And, you know, it's like, but I'm speaking but I'm of loaded, usage. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of usage, yeah, what the hell is Sean Payton doing with Marvin Mims? That's the question. So I would ask: Is is Marvin Mims worth holding on in redraft? I mean, I clearly Oof. think he's going to be fine in dynasty. I mean, you know, we thought he might have sort of a quote unquote red shirt season with Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, and Jerry Judy. But then, of course, Patrick goes out. Judy kind of gets hurt, and we're like, all right, wheels up for Mims, and he plays him like fucking five snaps. You're like, dude, what's going on? <laughs> and he scored um, a damn long touchdown. Like the yeah. only big plays the Broncos have made all- are all him. All his single one. It's amazing. He fucking returning the kick for 99 yards. He's like, dude, give me the fucking ball. Score a touchdown, bitch. <laughs> Seriously. Um, like, no, 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 no. Russ doesn't back on the like bench. that. That's too much running. What are you, crazy? Russ We're says he doesn't like your face. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> How big a bong hit is Sean, Sean Payton taking where he doesn't think that Marvin Mims can help him win? Like, Massive bong hit. Like, he's ripping a pipe taller than him. He has, he has the glass blown with a curve back down to Look, earth. Maybe conspiracy theory jacks coming coming forth here. He's got a big ass contract. Maybe it's just tank his bong rip looks like the Ricola horn. Yes, <laughs> but maybe it's just a big, um, you know, tank job. They're going to tank out. They're going to lose this Ugh. year. They're going to get Caleb. That's get rid terrible, of Russell. Though. Get him on the rookie contract. Eat the fucking Russell contract, and then just load up next year and go from there. No, because Russell's not that bad. Like that's the problem is you you still see glimpses of Russell's greatness, and yeah, he's a lot less lot lot less exciting than he was a few years ago. Right, like on the field, like he was an unstoppable force for nine straight years. He was a QB one in fantasy. Nine, it's over. Yeah, and that those days are long over. He's he's mid as mid can be now, and it's kind of sad to see. But yes, you still get. Bits and pieces of every single game, you're like, all right, there he is. And then the rest of the game, you're like, come on, Russ, this is sad. Yes. Yes. Russ is sad. I think he is sad, but um, he's anyway, boring, I, too. He, look, he's the one that should be dating Taylor Swift. Oh, we, God. Get the fuck. To, don't do that to Taylor. We need to like free, Taylor. free Sierra, please. Free her up and get Taylor stop. Swift off the damn market. They're made for each other. You stop it. You're not. Yeah. I thought you got we were corny fun. and cornier, and no, that's perfect. She's not that corny. You could smoke a joint she's, with she's Taylor. Folksy, yeah. I think she's more. Yeah, folksy. but you could yeah. smoke a joint. He's not folksy. He's a no. He's douche. fake folksy. <laughs> yeah, he's a douchebag. I mean, come on. He tries to get people to think he's folksy. <laughs> yeah, he's awful, man. He is so fake. I mean, the 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 the, the shine has worn off the Russell Wilson fucking. <laughs> You know, oh, he's he's a yeah, wackadoodle, man. All done. But the question I ask is, is Marvin Mims worth holding oh, in yeah. redraft? Ooh, holding? No, I wouldn't. I would. I like to load my bench with running backs anyway in redraft because I mean, look at what's going on out here. Yes. Like our 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 bench players right now are scoring fifty points. Yes, you can't you can't up. pluck that off a tree, can you? <laughs> No. But like you, I load my bench with all the handcuffs, regardless. Yes. Especially the the satellite ones that can catch passes and garbage time, or yep. or step in as the scat back if somebody gets hurt. 
So my last two picks in a lot of leagues were Jerome Ford and Devon A. Chain. Yeah. In redraft. Because yeah. I was like, well, what if? What if yeah. we get a little bit more Roshan Johnson? I like that. Yeah. What if Kendra Miller carves out the B roll with Kamara starting this week? Absolutely. What, yep. what if? I'd rather have that what if than what if they give decide to give Marvin Mims more than five snaps a game. Like I worry about that because I don't trust Sean Payton to recognize that he's doing that much good. God damn it. You may be right. I'm just, I'm sort of hopeful for a, you know, I mean, at some point he just is going to see some fucking snap share, but I got a more important question. This one is kind of a big deal. Why in the world is my new England Patriots quarterback, Mac Jones, a fucking prick? Why is that? Why do I have to have this? He's just, nobody likes him. Like nobody, man, just fucking sack tapping people on the field. What's going on here? Fucking shit. Like what are you? Who who are you? Nobody does that. Like Jesus nobody Christ. does that. Like even Taylor Luan doesn't do that. Right? What a douche! If like, you're doing you shit know, that Taylor Luan wouldn't endorse, you're a fucking <laughs> scumbag. This guy's a fucking dickhead, and he's my court. This is just bullshit. I mean, at least we, you know, at least he could be good and do this stuff, and you'd be like, <laughs> you know, you what are you gonna do? You know, then you got his Eagle <laughs> you know? Scout backup who Fuck. can't throw the ball. It's just really bad, man. I'm really, really bummed about it because, like, I want to like him and everything. And then, and, and, like, I'm in the same – at least I got Zach Wilson. You know, Zach Wilson. <laughs> fine. But I'm in the same division as Tua and, and uh, Josh, you know, and – Yeah, and Josh Allen. It's like, dude, two of the most likable dudes in the whole league. Like, how can you yeah. not be rooting for Tua at this point? They're awesome. Like, you like, know? Those are two awesome quarterbacks. Yes. With, with that Likable, too, though. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, I don't know, man. Dirt bag. Like even people are endeared. Like like Zach Wilson's not a he's not a bad person. Like you could tell he's honestly trying. He's just fuck your mom. Oh yeah. (laughs) Why not? Why he's honestly trying to fuck your mom. I mean he probably asked himself at one point, what if I could? And then when it happened, he he said, Well, now I can. And so what if I should? Yeah. This is oh he doesn't care about that one bit. Yeah, he knows he can. This is like in the back. <laughs> I mean, this dude's just picking his prey. I mean, he's like, uh, yeah, he, this is this is just. I mean, he's yeah, still likable I mean, though. He's he's not like Deshaun Watson out there. He's a this is all consensual. Totally, totally. He's he's just uh, he's scoring off the field. That's why he can't score on the field. But all right, can't we're gonna have finish it all, up. Jimmy G. No, we're gonna. <laughs> hey, Jimmy G. Same thing, baby. Can't he's have it all, bro. So we're going to finish on a, on a good one. This is the ultimate question I've been kind of asking a little bit. I've asked it a couple, uh, you know, uh, shows in a row. And I, I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a hot take when I said it, but I think it might be a little bit. I, I really don't know, but it's a fun fucking topic. And I, you know me, I love a few hobby horse topics along the way, like Tank Dell, Trey Lance. I mean, can we just say that I won the Trey Lance fucking argument for the last two years that I've been having on the show for fucking ever and nobody would agree with me? Can we can we just say I won? Can we just say it? Uh, I'll say you're very close to winning and I'm probably not going <laughs> to have much hope that I'm going to lose that I'm going to win at the end. Of the I day, didn't know like, you were it, against me. I'm not. I, this is wasn't no, no, about no. you, Bo. It's like I, I still think for that player that we're, the, the story is not written yet, but it's not it's it's looking like a Shakespearean like tragedy. <laughs> Which is, no. it's unfortunate because he had so much promise. He still does. Sure. He still has and some. 
I just don't know about the opportunity. That's what really yeah. worries me is that he was a guy who had everything in the world going for him after 2019 and then shit hit the fan literally yeah. everywhere Except around for pedigree him. and talent. He didn't have any yeah. pedigree or talent. He has the that, only he football going. season Four at any season. level I've ever seen where a guy threw zero interceptions. You don't yeah. do that at high school. You don't do that yeah. running the fucking wishbone at high school. There's still yeah. an interception or two. He yeah. went through an entire college season without throwing one. Well, at least he can put that on his wall. Yeah. I just think that there's the story's not written yet, but it's not looking good. So it's yeah, you can you can take your victory lap even though I'm still gonna hold on to my pearls a little bit longer. That's okay. I look, I'll, you can do whatever you want with your fucking pearls, but I win the <laughs> argument. Uh <laughs> We know what you do with pearls. Anyway, look, here's the question. Who, you know, um, Trey Lance, Pearl, I'm not sure what the show title is, but we, we might have been knocking on the door there. Listen, who, who? maybe the Mac Jones prick tap or I, no, we're, we're going to work on it. But listen, sack tap. Who, sack tap. Who, there you go. There it is. Mac Jones sack tap. Uh, who is the best running back in the NFL from an NFL perspective, not fantasy. Tony Pollard. Get the fuck out of here. He is. He has been oh. since he was drafted. And name one thing he didn't do well as soon as he got on the field. He's very good. I like Tony Pollard. He's good at everything. And the one knock on him as a rookie was his pass protection. He worked his ass off on that. He's not a liability anymore. That tells you that that was the reason why they were like, hey, we, we can ride with him and Rico this whole year and not have an issue. That's that's what that's that vote of confidence that not only is he an every down runner, but he's an every down game changer. Like he can score from anywhere on the field at any time. And the Cowboys don't have anybody else on their team like that. Mm. You don't think it might be uh, B. Sean Robinson? It's close. I honestly, as as athletes, Bijan is I mean, he is what he is. But yeah. I think as a polished product, especially in a wide zone scheme like Atlanta runs, he's not 100% there on that scheme. Like I can see, I already see Tony Pollard running gap and wide and inside zone equally well. And Bijan is much better in gap, which the Falcons hardly ever run. And that was why I was kind of worried about him as an upside prospect in the Atlanta system because they're never going to rely on that player to get the most out of him. And especially a team that doesn't run the same scheme that he ran in college to dominate college and be the best prospect in four or five years. That wasn't B. John Robinson. So yes, he's incredible, but he's not as incredible as he would be on a different team. Okay. I, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you just sort of have that. You just. You said you were gonna bring the spice. I yeah. know that you know you have the best hot sauce in the fucking world. That's actually true. That's actually true. P- people don't yeah. know that. Some people yeah. know that. Most people know that. A lot of people know that. The real ones but know that. That's right. The real ones know that. Not everybody knows that you have the best fucking hot sauce in the whole yeah. world. Make it right here in my home home kitchen. Tell people where they can find that fucking shit. So it is called Hot Box Gourmet Small Batch Hot Sauce, Ooh. otherwise known as the most deliciously intense condiment on planet Earth. That's right. That's correct. 
And I've had people put it in their ramen, on their pizza, on their eggs in the morning, on their chorizo breakfast burrito. I've had them put on chocolate crepes and they said it goes with everything. It's a hot, hot sauce. Like it, it'll fucking light you up, but you'll still be digging for more. Yes. Just like the Tony Pollard take. It's fucking that spicy. Yeah. And then That's you how can spicy. find it only on my website, which is home to four other unique seasoning blends, such as that it's taco season and then Shelby street heat, Nashville, hot blend smoke shack, barbecue rub. And of course my all purpose goes with everything. Every food's best friend amigo. Yeah. So what my advice here is if you're a bitch, don't go to that website. Do not. Do yeah. not if do you it. if you are if you think mayonnaise is spicy <laughs> or if you <laughs> think if that potatoes yeah. don't need any salt and pepper, <laughs> definitely do Stay not away. visit bigtimeflavor.co. If right. you go to bigtimeflavor.co, you will bingo. find it offensive. Yes. Because but if you're not we've been bitch, making your mother-in-law's cooking tolerable since 2020. Bingo. Well said. Bingo. So there it is. So go get yourself some right now because it's that good. And if if I'm wrong, just fucking send me the bill. How's that? Send me the bill. And you know what I'll do? I'll I get paid either way. So on. that sounds exactly great. right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I didn't make any guarantees. I just said send it to me. I didn't say <laughs> yeah. I'll fucking what I'll do with it. I don't know what I'll do with it. Maybe I'll put it on a frame and put it on my wall. I don't know what I'll do with the bill. But send it to me if you didn't like it. And I'll I'll DM you my address. You can actually send it to me. It's a P.O. box. I don't trust any so of you. The disclaimer stars. I have on the site is that I'm not responsible for salivation related injuries. <laughs> it's a good disclaimer. Good disclaimer. Bo, that was a fucking show, baby. What a, what yeah, a time. Baby. I had a great time with you, man. Um, you are as spicy as they said you'd be. You're that spicy. You're that awesome. You're a great person. I've, I'm in a bunch of leagues with you. I've, I, I, I've shared space with you. This is the first time we've sat down and spent an hour and a half together. Uh, I'm sure the people loved it. I thank you for coming on the show. I hope you had a great time. I know I did. Yeah, it's, it's an honor uh, to finally be on a show that I actually listen to. I'm a consumer of this product. I enjoy your product. And and now that I've been a part of it, it's even a little bit more special. And so thank Absolutely. you for having me on, Scott. That was it, was it was a hell of a time here to shout out NorCal as we know best. Well, it was a pleasure having you. And on behalf of everybody here at The Undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at The Undrafted, on behalf of the greatest podcast producer in all the land, Michael Pythagoras, Duncan, you have been joined by the Spice, Bo McBrayer, I am Jax Falcone, and we are out. <laughs>